As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You are listening to the Lazy Genius Podcast. I'm Kendra, and I'm here to help you be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Today is episode 93, Cook Without a Recipe. Oh, this is my favorite. Talking about food is one of my favorite things, and it is such a priority for me personally that you feel empowered in your kitchen. Not to be Martha Stewart and be perfect, but simply to like walk in unafraid with a small but powerful arsenal of tools and skills so that you can gather around your table with less stress. We have, um, we like love the table, right? We love being around it, but we kind of hate getting there. Helping you bridge that gap is literally my favorite thing ever. So I am so excited for today's episode. Just a quick reminder though, before we get going, the window to buy my decluttering ebook called The Swap, The Lazy Genius Guide to Decluttering for Life is quickly closing. It's available for a few more days, um, just until the end of January, and it is meant to offer you a simple but effective path through your stuff and help you get into rhythms where you'll never want to burn down your house and start over again. Check out the show notes by swiping um, in your podcast app or by going to thelazygeniuscollective.com slash lazy slash recipe. You can get all the info from this episode and a link to the swap and see if it's right for you. It is likely for you. If you want to abandon ship and start over and uh, haven't found the solution you need in the dozens of decluttering books and blog posts you've read over the years, I was you once, so I created what I could not find, and maybe it's what you need to. So the swap is available until January 31st. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask me on Instagram or on email. Um, You can email me at Kendra at thelazygeniuscollective.com. Okay. Let's talk about cooking without a recipe. There are two main skills you need to cook without a recipe. One is kind of big, but we'll call it one. It is how to develop flavor and texture and ingredients. And then the second is to know what ingredients go together. Both of these skills are honed with practice. Not every meal is going to be a home run, you guys, by a long shot. But if you continue to practice and pay attention to what works and what doesn't, you'll get confident in the art of trying. The problem with cooking is that we think we need to master recipes, but really we are on a journey of mastering flavors and textures and making everything on the plate or in the bowl friends with each other. We're going to get into a few concepts here in this episode, but I want to make sure that this is clear. You will not walk away from this episode being a master chef. You will likely be the same as when you started, but your confidence and understanding of what can make you become a better cook, it will definitely change. The actual cooking can only improve with actual cooking practice. So get in there and burn some stuff. But today I'm going to share a handful of concepts that if you understand them in concept, it's going to start changing your cooking experience tremendously. Okay. First, 
I'm going to mention my two favorite cookbooks that teach the only skills you need to really cook. And neither of these books really have many recipes. If you follow me on Instagram at the lazy genius, you have likely heard me talk about them both, perhaps a little obsessively, but I will mention them again here, obviously. And the links will be in the show notes. The first book is called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And the second book is called The Flavor Bible. The Flavor Bible is literally a Bible. Um, It is an encyclopedia of what foods are friends. It's just lists of foods and the foods that go with them. And then Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat explains how those four things, salt, fat, acid, and heat, are the only things you need to understand to be a good cook. Seriously, just those four things. And by the way, if you want a beautiful visual experience, the woman who wrote Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat has a four-part Netflix special by the same name that is magical. It's so pretty. The food, it makes you so hungry. She is possibly like the most enthusiastic, charming person I've ever seen around food. It is just such a great thing to watch if you haven't yet. Okay, let's set a scene, shall we? It is, it's a Tuesday afternoon. You were busy over the weekend and didn't meal plan anything. No problem. Yesterday you had pasta because Mondays are pasta Mondays. That decision worked, so that's great. But you don't have any plans for dinner beyond right now. Your crew is busy doing homework or having screen time or something, and you have maybe 15 minutes to get a head start on dinner before all the children need your attention. You pull down a favorite cookbook to find a recipe, but you don't have the right ingredients for any page you flip to. Now you have 11 minutes left. You open the fridge hoping that like a complete meal will jump out at you, and then you cry a little on the inside when that doesn't happen. You do see a pack of chicken thighs that you bought on sale the day before but you ran out of time to prep them, which means you need to eat them tonight or else they're going to destroy everything in your fridge with that rotten chicken stank. You also see a pack of like almost slimy mushrooms in the fridge that you need to eat and then like a couple of wrinkly sweet potatoes on the counter. All right, these are this is what you got. These are the ingredients that you have and you're a little sad about it, but that's the way it is. Now, you could open your laptop and Google chicken mushroom sweet potato recipe and might actually find something helpful. I actually did that before I hit record just to see. And um, there are actually a lot of options. But you could spend your remaining nine minutes looking for the perfect recipe rather than actually cooking. So here's where you start. Here's your first question. Do the ingredients go together? Now, you can check the flavor Bible, um, which is what I do when I'm wondering if foods go together to see what it says. If you don't have the flavor Bible, um, Google the combination, just like I said, and see if you get a lot of results. You don't have to read any of the results. Uh, But if you like, if people have published recipes using these ingredients that you have, then chances are those ingredients are already friends. So step one is done. Are they friends? Yes, they are. All right, so let's move on. Question two, how do I make these ingredients taste great? Now, this might feel like a real dumb question because essentially like that's the goal of cooking, right? But when you know the things that help any and all foods taste great, you can answer that question with actual helpful answers because isn't that where we get stuck with cooking? Like if you stare at chicken, mushrooms, and sweet potatoes and ask yourself like, how do I make these taste great? You're likely going to yell at like nobody. That's the point. This is why I need a recipe. 
but you actually don't. Recipes are great, but here's how you cook those foods without one. The way you make ingredients taste great is to consider four elements that I mentioned before from that book. Salt, fat, acid, and heat. Uh, We're going to try to go in a more like chronological order though for this conversation. So we're going to go salt, heat, fat, acid. We moved the heat up a little bit, but we're going to start with salt. Okay. Salt doesn't make things more salty. It makes things taste more like themselves. I've been saying this for years. You don't need to be afraid of salt because salt brings out the best in everyone. It brings the best out of every ingredient. Now too much definitely makes things taste salty. But as you practice and season like with your own fingers and your own version of what a pinch is, you'll start to recognize how much salt to add to certain foods. And salt can come in forms other than just little white crystals from a box. Cheese adds salt. Certain meats like bacon and sausage add salt. Olives and capers add salt. It's all about the dance of how everything interacts with each other, like how they all become friends. So you're looking at your chicken. The best way to get the most flavor out of your chicken, regardless of how you cook it, is to salt it early. So do that now while you think about how the meal is going to come together. And when I say early, 10 minutes early is helpful, an, an hour early, a day early, like You can salt your chicken up to like 36 hours early and it's going to be a delight. Okay. Now vegetables, they don't have the same protein structures that meats do. So you don't want to necessarily salt those early. It doesn't do anything. It just draws out. Well, it does do something. It draws out the moisture from the vegetables and then they get kind of dry and gross. So you don't want to do that. But salting meat early, especially chicken is the best. So salt your chicken. You're already halfway to good flavor. Um, And in a little bit, when you start cooking, remember that you will want to season your vegetables well with salt. Um, And it's going to make your mushrooms taste like earthy and rich, not muddy and gross. It will make the sweet potatoes pop with their sweetness and not be like just kind of bland and annoyingly sweet. Salt makes things pop. So know that you'll get really far in cooking without a recipe if you recognize the value of salt. Okay, next step is heat. Heat obviously cooks the food, and depending on the intensity of the heat, you'll get different results. Chicken cooked over low heat over a long amount of time will have a much different texture than chicken cooked over high heat for a short amount of time. Heat affects the way the proteins in the meat interact with each other. So when you cook things lower for longer, the proteins relax a ton. They like stop holding hands. And then they, they pull apart. Like if you were playing Red Rover with low and slow chicken, you would win every time. They just get really lazy. The meat is super tender. But as you know, if you've ever cooked chicken in the crock pot, it's not like you can serve a piece of that chicken. There are no more pieces. It's so tender. It comes apart. That's where the chicken's laziness comes in. But if you saute a piece of chicken or roast a piece of chicken with high heat over a shorter amount of time, The proteins bind together differently. They are linked arms like Navy SEALs lined up playing Red Rover. You are not getting past that. Although they can still be tender and juicy, but they hold together as a piece. So your question with heat is often about time. How much time do you have? 
If you only have half an hour, low and slow isn't in the cards because you don't have the slow. So for quicker meals, you need direct heat that's usually fairly high. All right, so with chicken, mushrooms, and sweet potatoes, how do you decide the heat? If you have half an hour, you don't have time to roast uh, whole sweet potatoes or low and slow your chicken. So you might think you're going to saute the chicken and the mushrooms in a skillet to get some crispy texture that's not going to take forever. Um, And remember this, that when you saute food in a skillet, the less you move the food around, the more color and therefore texture you will get. Crispiness comes from being still. It happens when the food stays in contact with the heat and some fat, which we'll talk about in a second, without being disturbed. It's a bit of a diva that way. So when you put your chicken and mushrooms in the pan, give them room to breathe. Don't cram them together. And don't move them for several minutes to give that texture a chance to develop. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. I don't know if you've checked out my website lately, but she just got an upgrade and we did it with Squarespace. With Squarespace, it is so easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. My team recently updated our Squarespace site to use Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. It's seriously so cool. It's mobile layout display. It lets us see what people see on their own mobile devices as we make edits and updates. And 78% of you visit the site on your mobile device. So making sure what you see looks and performs the way it's meant to matters to me. If you want to build a new website, try out Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash lazy genius to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Rosetta Stone. Last year, Kaz and I went to Italy and holy moly, what a trip. The museums, the food, the culture. At least once a week, I still think about the gelato. One thing that would have been nice, though, is to know actual Italian. We used translation apps and we made it work, but I love that I can start learning new languages for future trips now with Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with 25 languages to choose from. I can learn on the go with downloadable offline lessons in the app or at my desktop. My favorite feature, though, is true accent, which gives me feedback on how well I'm pronouncing words as I'm learning them. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Lazy Genius podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com genius. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com genius today. I found Olive in June in 2020 when we were all looking for new hobbies and things to do. Well, now almost four years later, doing my nails at home with my daughter, Annie, and Olive in June's Manny system is still one of the things I look forward to every week. Olive in June makes it easy to get a salon-worthy manicure from the comfort of your home. The Manny system has everything you need in one box, salon-grade tools designed just for DIY, and your choice of six polish colors. And y'all, the colors they make are stunning. Annie and I just tried out their new colors for Valentine's 
Wednesday, I'm wearing Love Note, a sparkly nude that matches my skin tone. And Annie is wearing Bouquet, a shimmery pink that matches her personality. Plus, Olive and June's polish is chip resistant and lasts for seven days. Visit oliveandjune.com slash lazygenius for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash L-A-Z-Y-G-E-N-I-U-S for 20% off your first Manny system. This episode is sponsored by Ritual. The days are getting longer, but it's still tough to get the recommended vitamin D from sunshine alone, not to mention the risks we take with sun exposure. That's why I love that my multivitamin is helping me out. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus, that's the one I take, was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. And for someone like me who likes to move but has glass knees, I'll take all the extra support from my multivitamin I can get. Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, flute and major allergen free, and gentle on an empty stomach. Plus, each bottle has a minty essence that makes taking them actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash lazy genius. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash lazy genius for 20% off. And then to add some contrast with that crispy texture you're going to get from the chicken and mushrooms, you might dice up the sweet potatoes to steam and mash them up to add like a creamy component to your meal. It's all about the dance, the contrast, remember? And remember that salting those potatoes, once they're steamed, will make them taste most like themselves. Okay, but have you ever had a steamed sweet potato or like a russet potato with um, just salt, or like a baked potato with just salt? I mean, it's fine, but the flavor's not going to wow you. You know why? There's no fat. Let's talk about fat next. Fat is like the train that carries flavor. A dish without fat is not as good as a dish with fat. Now, this isn't me being all like, eat whatever you want. Healthy eating is a sham. I mean, I do kind of believe that like diet culture, healthy eating in our diet culture is a bit of a sham, but giving fat its due in cooking, it isn't to like stick it to the man. It's not to be like anti-health. Fat is important in getting a flavorful dish because without fat, the flavors have nowhere to nestle. They have nothing to take them anywhere. And without fat, you don't get texture. You can't achieve crispiness without fat. I don't care what the infomercials of those weird skillets say. You have to use some sort of fat. It is necessary. And understanding the role it plays is going to make a huge difference in cooking without a recipe. So, all right, so let's get back to your three ingredients. You're going to saute the chicken and mushrooms. You need to pick your fat because you have to have at least a little. Olive oil will add a very different flavor than butter will. And just like you get saltiness from things other than salt, you can get fat from things other than oil. Um, Avocado, cheese, they both add fat and richness. Uh, So does the natural fats in your meat. That's why it's really hard to get boneless, skinless chicken breasts to taste like anything because they have no natural fat in them to help the process. Now, chicken thighs do have some natural fat, so you're likely to get a richer flavor when you cook them. That's why I love chicken thighs. So if you're deciding what fat to cook the chicken and mushrooms in, you might think about the fat for the mashed potatoes first, the sweet potatoes. Butter definitely feels like the way to go there. 
So maybe you're going to choose to saute the chicken and mushrooms in butter to make the chicken and mushrooms and the mashed sweet potatoes flavor friends. Now, butter doesn't like to hit very high heat though because it burns up really quickly and it does better when it's holding hands with a stronger fat. So if you want the flavor of butter, but the sturdiness of oil, use both. Put a pat of butter and some like canola or grapeseed or vegetable oil or something in the pan. You get the flavor um, of one and the ability to cook at a higher heat without burning the butter. So the butter and oil are giving texture to your chicken and mushrooms. They are also allowing flavor to develop in those foods along with the salt that is going to help with flavor. And then the fat for your mashed potatoes is almost like a condiment. Like you want to taste the butter. It is there for creamy texture and a rich butter flavor. That with enough salt, you guys, is sublime. I'm not a huge fan of sweet potatoes, but when their natural sweetness is offset by a good amount of salt and rich butter, there is nothing like it. It's like, so good. Okay, so the last step is acid. This is the one that's most overlooked. In the book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, the author, um, Samin, says, acid is salt's alter ego. While salt enhances flavor, acid balances them. So a lot of times I talk to friends about recipes that didn't work or like they're in the middle of cooking and they're trying to troubleshoot something. I get texts and boxes like that all the time. Um, Things like, um, I made this chicken and cream sauce thing, but it tastes boring. What do I do? So I always say to start with salt because usually people don't salt their food enough. I say, does it taste too salty? No, it doesn't. Okay, so add a little more salt until it starts to sing. Then if it's still not quite there, I suggest adding a bit of acid. Acid balances everything out. It cuts the fattiness and richness in foods. It makes sweet things less cloying. There's some contrast there. It makes starches less bleh, bleh. Um, There is an entire chapter on acid in this book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And there's way more than I'm going to ever be able to say here. But for the sake of learning to cook without a recipe, you need to simply know that acid balances things out. If the flavor is as as enhanced as it's going to be from the salt, if the texture has been achieved with a fat and the flavors have transported through the entire dish, but something is still missing, you probably need acid. Acids are overlooked because we don't always even know what they are, but acids you might choose from are things like a squeeze of citrus from like a lemon or a lime, vinegars, wine, hot sauce, yogurt, like plain yogurt, um, tomatoes, even mustard. So for our chicken, mushroom, sweet potato dinner, you don't necessarily need to add acid to everything because the whole plate is dancing. The sweet potatoes are likely really happy on their own with their salt and their fat, but you want a balance of the entire plate. The chicken thighs and the mushrooms, they have those rich, earthy flavors. But all of that together with those rich, buttery sweet potatoes, it might be tasty, but like a little a little heavy, a little bit much. So before you take the chicken and mushrooms out of the pan, add a quick dash of red wine vinegar or throw in like a dollop of Dijon mustard and swirl it around. And you will be shocked at how everything suddenly comes together. Now, it might go the other way too. Something might be too acidic. And you need to balance it the other way with fat and salt and flavor. 
Think about tomatoes. Have you ever tasted plain old tomato sauce from a can, like the kind that doesn't have salt or anything in it? It's not great. And it makes your mouth pucker because it's like really acidic. That's why to make a good tomato sauce, you start with garlic in olive oil and fat so that the garlic flavor, it's going to travel on that olive oil train through the entire pan of sauce. Um, and then you add the tomatoes and some salt to neutralize the acid. You might even add a pinch of sugar if you, it needs to be neutralized even more. It all works together. It's all a dance. It's all balance. And understanding that is going to help you cook without a recipe. Okay, so I realize that this is like, this feels super involved when it comes to cooking dinner. But as you practice these concepts, as you ask yourself these questions of like, do these go together? How can I make these ingredients taste the best together with the time that I have? You're going to find that the decision-making, it happens in just a minute or two, truly. It, it just takes practice and asking the right questions and being thoughtful about it. If you know how to develop flavor, or if you just seek to continue learning how to develop flavor through techniques like roasting and grilling and sauteing, some of which I've done full episodes on, um, which I'll link to in the show notes for you. If you see that salt enhances flavors and makes everything taste like itself, if you recognize the role that fat plays in creating texture and transporting flavors throughout the dish, and if you know that acid balances everything out, you can cook anything without a recipe, truly. I know, it, I know it feels crazy. I know it feels like I'm an insane person right now, but I'm telling you the truth. This episode has a fraction of the answers. There's so much to learn, but no one learns it all at once. Everyone learns it bit by bit through practice, through actually cooking. Okay, now if cooking without a recipe just is, is too terrifying, like it's just not even on your radar, do this instead. Follow your recipes, but start to pay attention to salt, fat, acid, and heat. Pay attention to how the ingredients play or don't play well together. When you make a recipe and follow it and it tastes really good, think about why. How did those four components work together to make something good? You'll start to see how salt, fat, acid, and heat show up in food. And then maybe, just maybe, you are going to feel more confident to cook without a recipe. I know this is a lot and, and also at the same time, very little, but you have to start somewhere. And I hope that this is an encouraging start for you to love your kitchen just as much as you love your table. You can do this. You can learn to cook and you can even learn to cook without a recipe. Don't forget, I will be live on Instagram this Thursday around 1215 Eastern time. Um, I will answer any questions you have about this episode, as many as we can fit in in 15, 20 minutes. And if you have um, um, any questions like before then, you can email them to me or you can look for an Instagram post um, on my feed on Thursday and you can pop your uh, questions in the comments on that post. And don't forget, you have just a few more days to get the swap. If you're interested, check the show notes for all the info, links to all the cookbooks I mentioned, the episodes that I've already done about like how to know if a recipe is any good, how, uh, how, to, how to grill, how to roast, how to cook chicken, all this stuff. Um, you can go to those show notes and look. It will be the lazygeniuscollective.com slash lazy slash recipe. That is all for today, you guys. I'm Kendra. And until next time, be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. I'll see you next week. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.